You're all I want. Oh, yes. Is he all you want today? Wisconsin, you may be seated. Back in the ancient years, 1945, wow. <clears throat> when I was about eight years old, uh, my folks moved back to Bristol, Connecticut before ESPN made it famous. So I grew up in Bristol, and one of the first childhood friends I met was a boy by the name of Butch McGray. And we became steadfast friends. Very, very good friends. Miles separate us, but we still stay in touch. And late last night, he texted me. And a couple years ago, he went in for a minor surgery, supposed to be minor, and the surgeon nicked something that has just caused him nothing but grief for about three years. And he's facing surgery tomorrow. And uh, I prayed for him last night, and I said, Butch, we're going to have our church have special prayer for you tomorrow. Would you stand, and would you help me take Butch McGray to the throne of grace right now? Jesus, we love you today. Thank you, Lord, that you are the healer of our bodies. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Miles mean nothing to you, O oh God, and I'm asking you to reach down and touch my friend today, Lord. Let there be a healing touch in his body, Lord. Relieve the pain, O oh God, I pray. Restore his health to what it needs to be, Lord. We praise you and we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. You may be seated again. Uh, it's good to have a very good friend of my wife and I, Sister Rochelle Martin from Kenai with us today, visiting. Amen. Good to have Rochelle here. And I want to say that uh, 51 years ago, in about an hour, Amen. Pastor Eddie Gwynn and my dad, Colby Churchill, joined Orveda Galleon and Stuart Churchill in holy matrimony. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Don't clap, just no money. <laughs> but they tied the knot, and they tied it tight. And I'm glad I can say today, 51 years later, the knot is tighter than it's ever been. Praise God. Amen. So I give honor to my beautiful bride. Amen. Praise God. Uh, yes, thank you, Brother Pyle. Um, no, knowing that I was uh, speaking, uh, I guess I could say he's standing there, but my pastor on my anniversary makes me preach. No, I, I please, I, I count it a great, great honor. Every time I step in this pulpit, I really do. And I'm glad our pastor is home. Amen, yeah. He went away leaving instructions. The instructions were followed. And Pastor Herring, I, I think everything went well. But there's just that feeling when the shepherd's not there. And the wonderful feeling when the shepherd comes back. But I, I had a message. I mean, man, I was, and uh, in my 52 years of ministry, uh, I am not surprised when, boom, the Lord steps in and says, no, you're, you're not going to preach that this Sunday. I said, wow. And immediately, my mind went to a scripture. But you see this sign? That is not a suggestion. That's not, that is the law. When you see that, if you come somewhere, and you might think, that's the craziest. I don't care what you think. It's the law. Anybody ever seen tape like this? Now, nobody's ever seen a sign like this. <clears throat> when we first came back, came to the valley, I was very aware of signs. Uh, we live in Mountain Rose off Chugash. Is it Chugash? And uh, I learned when we came out of Mountain Rose and come towards Palmer, speed limit's 40. Get up by the middle school, speed limit is 25. And so for the first little bit, I paid a special attention to signs around the area because I wasn't familiar. But you know what? Today I'm quite familiar. I pull out of our our uh, senior citizen community, and I'm not looking for the 40-mile-an-hour speed limit sign. I'm not looking. You know, I've got to. And all of us that live in this area, you're the same way. You know when you come to a certain place what the speed limit is, and you don't even 
look for the sign. But if you're traveling a road you've never traveled before, and you're cruising along about, you know, 65, 70 miles an hour, and all of a sudden you see a yellow sign, and there's an arrow goes like this, and then psh, You are only a fool if you continue driving at that speed and try to make that curve going 70 miles an hour. You're on your way to the ER or to the coronary's office. And so, thank God <laughs> for the signs. And though I get accustomed to an area Thank God that I'm driving down a road, you know, that I'm familiar with, but, you know, all of a sudden the uh, water has washed out the road, and all of a sudden here's this blinking light, you know, danger, danger, danger. Ah, uh, they don't know what they're talking about. No. Now, if you come to some curves, there's a yellow sign with, you know, maybe 45 or 55, which is not the law, but the state recommends. When you go into this curve, this is a good speed to be traveling if the road conditions are good. Now, you can go, you know, 55 through the 45 curve, and you're probably going to be fine. But the warning signs are there. And again, only a foolish person disregards the signs. I'm coming to you today, not with a black and white sign, but I'm coming more with a yield sign, with a caution sign. Take it for what it is. Disregard it. That choice is yours. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed. And friends, those words should reach out and just grab a hold of you. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to what? To the things which we have heard. And it's good to read that first chapter of Hebrews before you read this. Okay? Lest at any time we should let them slip. From them. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received the just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Lord, we thank you for your word. It's a lamp. It's a light to us, Lord. God, you send us this sign, Lord. 
in our spiritual lives. And today we may be cruising along, you know, but oh God, help us to just slow down. Help us to take note of what your word is telling us today. You said it would not return unto you void. Lord Jesus, anoint our ears and our hearts to receive it, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, when I personally read the words, let them slip, I, I, I get a picture in my mind of a, a person holding some priceless treasure with limp and loose fingers, allowing it to drop and shatter on the floor. Slip. Has anybody here ever slipped before? Did you plan to slip? No. You don't plan to slip. I mean, it just, boom, it happens. But as striking as that picture is, the one that is really expressed by the original word in this setting is more astounding still. Some Bible scholars say the revised version more correctly gives the better rendition and reads instead of we should let them slip, we drift away from them. And I think that in this instance is the truer meaning. Drifting is a thing that we all need to fear. How many are familiar with the Kenai River? I think a lot of us are. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the lower Kenai River. The Kenai River feeds into Cook Inlet. Cook Inlet has the lowest and highest tides in North America, second highest and lowest. Bay of Fundy out in New Brunswick has the highest and lowest. Cook Inlet. I talked to a commercial fisherman, and uh, he told me that the natives in many years gone by, they called it Cook River. You know why? When that tide starts changing in Cook Inlet, We've taken people halibut fishing, you know, and somebody brings out a three-pound weight. And people said, what in the world? Well, sometimes that three-pound weight will barely keep your bait down where it needs to be. And that lower Kenai River, now just picture a boat coming up to the bank of the Kenai, and somebody jumps off the bow with the anchor rope, and there's a big uh, driftwood log laying there of many hundreds of pounds. But they haphazardly wrap the rope around it, jump back in the boat. They go down in the galley to have a bite to eat, and the tide starts to move. And what they had haphazardly thrown around, something that was solid, nothing to that tide. It just takes that rope 
And they're down there having a good time, fellowshipping, eating, not aware that their boat is drifting down the river. So effortlessly, with so little resistance, until they come up maybe two hours later and they're about to enter into Cook Inlet. So the things which we have heard and to which we ought to be anchored to steadfastly, slowly but surely, we drift, drift away from. And in nine cases out of ten, don't even feel that we're moving until we're aroused by hearing the waterfalls ahead. Shake our head and look at the surroundings that we don't recognize and we ask ourselves a question, how in the world did I get here? Oh, God, help us today. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest happily we should drift away from them. And so our text suggests, first of all, danger. Danger. This preacher is holding up a yellow sign today that is flashing danger, danger, danger. And as I said, you can go ahead and listen to what I have or you can be thinking about the ball game or dinner or whatever. But I'm telling you, there's danger ahead. If we are not careful and alert at all times, What's the scout law? Be prepared. Be prepared. Friend, when you walk, listen, as I said Wednesday night, we're in this beautiful oasis that the Lord has given us here today. Amen. But when you walk out those doors today, I'm telling you immediately, the tides and the currents of this world, amen, are tugging at you. They're pulling at you. And you've got to realize the danger. Drifting unconsciously from the anchor of our faith. Here in Hebrews 2, Paul says, they are the words which we have heard. And so again, the currents that are, that are brought to bear upon us are, are as strong. The currents of this world and, amen, this ungodly day in which we live. Uh, amen. They are so very strong. And again, if you're on that lower Kenai, you become very much aware of the power of the strong, strong currents that flow in and out of Cook Inlet. If you choose to go against them, you better have a sturdy boat. You better have a powerful engine to overcome the pull of the tide. I said you better have a strong boat. And friend, I'm telling you in the spiritual, we have the strongest boat there is. Hallelujah. I said, we're in the strongest ship there is. It's called the old ship of Zion. Hallelujah. Stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. I read some time ago, when calamities happen on a boat out in the water, you know what the first impulse is for people to do? Jump out of the boat. Friend, don't leave the boat. Don't get out of Oh, yeah. 
Things get rough. There are storms. Uh, amen. But Jesus said upon this rock, <laughs> I am going to build my church. Hallelujah. And the very gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. Stay in the ship. And our motor, the source of our power is the overcoming power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Greater is he that is in you. Did you hear me? I'll play a little Jeff Arnold. You're not listening to me. I said greater. <laughs> Amen. Greater, Brother Colin. Amen. Is he that is in you. It will always be greater. I don't care how bad things get out there. I don't care how tumultuous they get. It will always be greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't drift away from that. need to ask myself the question, what are the currents? What are the tides that are resisting my walk with the Lord? If you've been serving the Lord, I don't care if it's two weeks, two months, two years, 20 years, you have got to be aware that there are forces trying to rip you away from your spiritual moorings. To set you adrift drifting in this very uncertain day in which you live. Now, the danger of drifting is this. The current takes you wherever it goes, and you don't have a thing to say about it. Not at all. Some years ago, during a tsunami, a large ship was ripped, ripped from its moorings in Japan and drifted across the Pacific Ocean and entered into the Gulf of Alaska. Just drifting. But there in the Gulf of Alaska, they met the U.S. Coast Guard that fired on it and sank it. I'm telling you, God has spoken to my heart. I am not pointing at an individual, but I am coming to you today and saying, if you allow the enemy and the currents of this day and age to rip you from your spiritual moorings, friend, you are in big, big trouble. You will eventually be sunk. Demas hath forsaken me. Why? Having loved this present world. Friends, we're out there on a daily basis. 
rubbing shoulders, elbows, uh, amen, and the tides of this world are coming against us every day we live. Amen. That is why every service is important. Uh, I said every service, every time the church doors are open, Brother Trace, uh, I'm going to be there. Hallelujah. I'm not going to cast stagger in here at 1035. I'm going to make I'm sure I'm here about 10 of 10. I'm going to be around this altar praying. I'm going to be reading my Bible. I don't want to be ripped away from my spiritual moorings. Many, many currents. I think one of the think one of the most dangerous currents is the current of years. Time has a way of changing all of us. Did you hear me? I said time. Seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years. If I could portray our wedding picture up here today, <laughs> some of you would look at me and look at that picture. You're kidding. Not a gray hair in my head. Yeah, about 175 pounds of lean, strong... <laughs> Oosh. <laughs> Brother Richard. Oosh. Oh. You must have been a beautiful baby, but baby, look at you now. I said time, just time, just has a way of changing all of us. And over my 52 years again in the ministry, I have seen faithful souls sitting on apostolic chairs uh, who have unconsciously drifted away from what they were in their earlier walk with God. They're not as devoted today as they were some years ago. Let me ask you today, is your life as completely under the influence of the Holy Ghost uh, as it was three months, three months ago, three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago? Pastor, you can, you can call me down later. I'm the new kid on the block. Okay? I preached over there a number of times. Now, it's going to get tight, but it's going to be right. And there were times over there that this fella would take off running. And in about five seconds... There was eight or ten running after him. I've noticed the last couple times that Brother Richard has run, he's running by himself. Oh, I've matured. I've grown up. Yeah, that mature saint looks at that new convert, Pastor Herring, so full of seal. You know, every service, they're sitting up front. 
Amen. You want to take the temperature, your temperature? Where are you sitting today? Where are you sitting today? I've seen them slowly but surely recede to chairs, and finally they're out the door and they're gone. Oh, yeah, that new convert, you know, so, wow. Oh, d- d- just give them a couple weeks, give them a couple months, and they'll settle down. Oh, God, let my fervor in worship and praise, hallelujah, amen. The Lord finally looked down on Israel, and he said, your offerings, your sacrifices, uh, that were a sweet-smelling savor in my nostrils. They're now a stench in my nostrils. You're just going through the motions, uh, and motions are so deceiving. I'm preaching to somebody today. We keep up appearances, but oh, how deceptive appearances can be. So just with the current of time tugging and pulling, folks have been carried downstream slowly but surely. And you know what's happening? The old man, the old man is replacing that new man in Christ. And now you're starting to think with a carnal mind. Now you're starting to see things through carnal eyes. Now you're starting to question everything that comes across the pulpit. Telling pastor today, man who was a minister, a preacher of the truth, and I just read where he no longer believes in the inerrancy of the word of God. No longer believes in a place called hell. Oh, friends, I'm telling you, you better get your rope. You better get your rope wrapped solidly around this pillar of truth and hang on to it with everything you've got. Again, every one of us battles this current of time. God warned the Israelites. He said, when you take possession of the Canaan land, of Canaan land, and you're living in homes that you did not build, you're eating of harvests that you did not plant, you're enjoying the grapes, the vineyards that you did not plant. He said, be careful that you don't forget me. Be careful that you don't forget me. I maybe told you this in the past, but it just came to mind. I don't even know the fella's name, but he was being inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame, Football Hall of Fame, Canton, Ohio. He went to Ohio State. Woody Hayes was his coach. And Woody Hayes came to the podium and talked about him. Apparently, he was a lineman. And, uh, you know, the, the horseshoe, Columbus, Ohio, 100,000 people will be there for home games. You know, you, you want to get season tickets to Ohio State game, you know, maybe in 25 years. But he said, I've watched this young man. After a grueling practice, and the players are just 
And he said, I've watched him come to where they go down in the tunnel and the showers and the whirlpools. And, and, I, and he said, I've watched this young man stand there and look where there are going to be thousands of people seating this Saturday when I go on that field. And I've watched him go back to the field, run laps, run through the tires, block. And so he said, I asked him one day. There, there were other days that other times he came up, looked around, went down the locker room. And he said, I asked him one time, what's the deal? He said, coach, he said, you know where I came from. He said, my family didn't have two nickels to rub together. And here I am at one of the most prestigious schools in the country playing football for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And so he said, every day after practice, I stand right here and I ask myself this question. Am I a better football player today than I was yesterday? And he said, there are times I shake my head no, and I go back out onto the field, and I give it all I've got until I really feel I have made progress. Amen. You know? We need to stop in the back of this assembly sometimes. Uh, amen. Come in here where there's nobody here and look at the chairs and, and realize that in a few days there's going to be service uh, and I'm going to be a part of that. Hallelujah. Amen. And I want to be in that service the best child of God I can be. Uh, and so I'm going to come to this altar. Nobody's around. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast and seek God uh, until I feel I'm a better child of God today day than I was yesterday. Don't forget the pit where you dug out of Clint Quayle. I've heard some of it. Don't forget Stacy Hall. Don't forget Brother Anthony. Yes, we forget those things that are behind. You know, the devil liked to bring up all of our faults and failures and hang them before us every day, forgetting those things. But I remember where I was when God found me. People say, I found the Lord. Last I checked, he wasn't lost. Uh, amen. But I was lost. Uh, I was dead in trespasses and sin. Uh, he came to where I was. He found me. So I'm not going to let this tide of time slowly but surely pull me away. Then there's the changing tide of familiarity. Solomon admonished us, Proverbs 23, 23. What? By the truth. I've often thought, by. You mean I just don't accidentally get truth? No. Solomon says you're going to have to buy the truth. Getting truth is going to cost you something. But when you buy it and get it, don't you ever sell it. Amen. And it's a sad, sad illustration of the weakness of human nature. That we all, I said we all, tend to think that the familiar is commonplace. 
and that it is almost impossible for us without a very specific and continuous effort. Hear me today. I said without a very specific and continuous effort to keep up as fresh and deep and interest and love in truth uh, that we have believed for so long. My granddaughter, Ellis, next Wednesday, I'm going to take about 10 boxes of tissues to the airport. As we put her on a plane going to Stockton, her first year of Bible school. She is fifth generation apostolic Pentecost. Fifth generation. I'm glad for that. Uh, yes, I am. Amen. But I cannot assume just because my grandparents, my parents, uh, and I and my children, uh, amen, that Alice can just go coasting. No, no, no. I told her the other night, I said, Alice, uh, amen, it's going to take all you've got. Hallelujah. Amen. Just because you're going to a Christian Bible school doesn't mean everybody is there to fast and pray and get. You're going to be tested. You're going to be tried. I said you keep your eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't sell the truth. Pastor, I'm afraid. I've seen so many people just in the last few years, been in truth for years, and some novelty come along. And people that I, somebody called me one time and they said, are you sitting down? I said, no. You said, well, you better sit down. And what they told me, <laughs> honest, I'd have probably fallen over. Amen. Oh, we got a new revelation. I'm looking at things a little bit differently than I did 20 years ago. Pastor, we handle this on a daily basis. If the only time we pick up that book is to get a lesson to teach or a message to preach... If the only time, <laughs> praise singers, let, oh man, let, let, let me talk, amen. Let me talk here, hallelujah. Praise singers, whoever, Sunday school teachers, amen. Each and every day, you better have a new and a fresh appreciation for the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Realize that in your singing, in your teaching, whatever you're doing, uh, you're not doing it as under Palmer Pentecostal Church. Uh, you're not doing it as under Pastor Herring. Uh, you're doing it as unto the Lord. I want to hear him say one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. came across this saying while I was reading some time ago, and it certainly caught my attention. A person said that the most certain truths, the most certain truths too often lie in the bedroom of our soul side by side with exploded errors. 
We all know how silently and unconsciously we can lose hold of the things that we think to be most surely believed among us. And while we may fancy that we're grasping and clutching them, they're gone from us. And if we come to our senses, we're bewildered as how we got there. Two weeks ago, I preached across this pulpit. Galatians 4.16. Paul said, am I therefore become your enemy? Why? Because I tell you the truth. Hallelujah. Pastor Herring, every time you step here, you gentlemen that I love and appreciate so much, every time you step in this pulpit, please, 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 uh, amen, don't delude it. Uh, amen, don't do anything. Just preach the truth. Uh, just preach the word. I can go a half a dozen other places, a dozen other places, and have my ears tickled and have my flesh pleased. And it's not going to profit me one thing. When I sit in these chairs, I want to hear the truth. Again, notice Galatians 1, 6 through 9. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have heard, have received, let him be accursed. Remember the old song? He said, me free. He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound, my Jesus, to see. Glory to God. He said, who set you free, Pastor Herring? Who set you free, Brother Pleo, Brother Hall, Brother Anthony, Brother David? No. Brother Churchill, no, there's only one who set you free. That's Jesus Christ. He set me free. I don't go where I used to go. I don't talk like I used to talk. I don't act like I used to act. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now I bring you to a very strong, dangerous current. It can be so lethal. Have the current of time, current of familiarity, constantly pulling, constantly. And then there's the dangerous current that is so lethal, and that is the current of the continual 
and the constant pressure of our daily cares, anxieties, and duties. At the stroke of midnight last night, we went from August 11th to August 12th until the stroke of midnight tonight. Lord says, here, here's a day, Dave. Brother Anthony, here's 24 hours. And you choose what, you, what you're going to do with it. We took our friends at Whitley's on a Wednesday across Hatcher Pass, down the other side into Willow. And then that Saturday, we took Kayleen, Sister Rochelle's oldest daughter. And when we started down the other side, man, there was a whole community out there. There were travel trailers, and there were campers. I mean, all along. I thought, wow. And I thought, how many of them are going to be in church tomorrow? I guarantee you, not many. They have chosen to take whatever time they have. and Nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But you have 24 hours. Your 24 hours today is different than what your 24 hours tomorrow is going to be. Amen. Maybe you uh, got to sleep in a little longer this morning. But tomorrow morning, the alarm will go off. And you... Oh, five more minutes. Hit the snooze. But then you're off. How many are going to go to a job tomorrow? Can we thank the Lord for that? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Eight, ten, maybe twelve hours. I don't know. And then you've got a family. Maybe you just have a wife or you have children. And you come home from the job, and they meet you at the door. Those kids meet you at the door. They're wanting time. And, amen, you go and you kiss your wife, and she's wanting time. So, oh, honey, uh, you know, I started the dishwasher today, and water is suddenly flowing everywhere. And you're saying, call a plumber. Call Brother Dave. <laughs> And all these, they're not bad things. They're just the things of life that are there every day. But the things of life, slowly and surely. You know, 10.30 comes that night, and you're heading to the bed, and you thought, oh, man, I didn't pray today. God, you heard my prayer yesterday, ditto. God, uh, I'll, read, I'll read a half hour tomorrow.
And I hate to bring it up. Please don't hold it against me that that H2O that is falling out there now in a short while is not going to be water. Ooh, boo, yes, yes. <clears throat> you know, a couple years ago, down on the Kenai, we got a lot of snow, and it was snow that came when it was about 31, 32 degrees. It was wet and heavy. And I mean, roofs were collapsing around us like crazy. How much does one single snowflake weigh? Anybody have any idea? Just one single snowflake. Do you think you could take that snowflake and put it on your scale and it's good? No. And I'm sure there's some kind of scale somewhere they could, they could weigh a snowflake. But if you could take one snowflake, freeze it, put it in a little capsule, put it in your pocket, and carry it with you every day, 24 hours a day, how long would it be until that left side might be sagging a little? Oh, I could probably carry a snowflake in my pocket till the day I die and not even know it's there. But you take five snowflakes. And then you take a hundred snowflakes, you take a thousand snowflakes, and let them be coming and falling, and people that are unaware can go to their grave. I don't know if it was Robert's service, but I was reading a story years ago about a fella out in the north taken up in a storm. And he finally gets to a place, and, and I mean, he's cold and he's shivering. But he gets here and he gathers some wood and some kindling, and he gets a fire going. And he adds fuel to it, and it's, it's burning bright, and he's just starting to get warm. But he didn't notice above him was a branch, and on that branch was a bunch of snow. And before his very eyes, just that fast, the snow fell from the branch onto the fire, and it was gone. The little things in life. I said the little things in life that drain, pull away. Hear me. I'm closing. I believe our text suggests our security. Oh, there are so many other currents. <laughs> oh. Tides of opinion, ways of thinking. But I believe our text suggests our security. Let us give the more earnest heed for the simple reason that these forces, these currents, these tides are in operation. In each of our lives, it should shout out at us, shout out at us. There's need that our vessel, our lives, be securely anchored to the rock of ages. 
Rock of ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself in the rock of ages. Everything changes in this world, friends. I said everything changes. The only unchanging thing. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we know the danger, we've gone a long way to escape it. If we'll open our eyes to the fact there are thieves lurking and waiting to steal away our possessions. Again, if we're aware of that, We've already gone a long way to securing our possessions. Just a few words in closing. What we ought to do. Very plain. Paul says, give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. How many have been serving God 30 years? Anybody in here serving God 30 years? Wow. 20? 10? 5? How many messages have you heard? How many lessons have you heard Wednesday night over the years? And again, so many times, in one ear and out the other. But Paul said, listen, <laughs> if you don't have, you know, just that great, great memory, you know, it might be good when the pastor's teaching or somebody's preaching to jot down a few notes. It might be good to go back a couple weeks later and look at those notes. Thank God for what we've heard. And when Paul is telling them what you've heard in chapter 1, he has gone back into the Old Testament, the prophets and all of that. Yes, those voices were good, but he said in this last day, we've heard something better than a prophet. We've heard something better than a king. We have heard the very word of Almighty God. We have heard it from the lips immortal of Jesus Christ. We better take heed to that. captain of the big battleship hundreds of feet long all kinds of guns stormy night he looks out and sees a light has his radio man send a message tell him this is captain so and so of the US Navy aboard battleship so and so please change your direction to so many degrees to the right The reply came back, can't do it, won't do it. Captain, boy, he got angry. He said, I told you this is Captain so-and-so. 
I have the power of the United States Navy behind me. And I'm telling you to change your direction so many degrees to the right. Reply came back. This is the Sandpoint Lighthouse. And we are not moving. There's a lighthouse here today. Yes. I said there's a lighthouse here today. Have you been drifting? Have you been drifting? Hey, it's time to come back. It's time to take your rope of faith and tie it around this pillar that will stand the ages and the test of time. Anybody want to pray? Anybody want to pray? (laughs) Amen. Anybody want to strengthen? Anybody want to renew your walk with the Lord here today? Come on. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus.